with an off day coming up on Thursday at Seahawks training camp. Players on both sides of the football were not holding anything back in one of the most physical training camp practices imaginable. Rob Rang and I are going to be diving in to what transpired in Wednesday's practice on our latest installment of Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked on Seahawks. Joining me as always for our Wednesday episode, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Thanks as always for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. We got a loaded episode coming your way. A former member of the Seahawks, two Super Bowl teams, will be joining us for an exclusive interview. Going to be breaking down his new book, his experiences with Pete Carroll, and much more. But first, we're going to be diving into what transpired on the field today at Seahawks training camp, their sixth practice. It was an eventful one at the VMAC. So let's get to it. Now for our lead story here on Locked on Seahawks. The Seahawks were back in pads for a second straight practice. And even though they're not full pads, they might as well have been in Wednesday's practice with an off day coming up Offensive and defensive players were just smashing each other. It looked like a Sunday out there on the practice field with the way that everybody was smacking each other and a lot of short yardage situations, a lot of running game emphasis in today's practice. A far cry from yesterday's first padded practice. That was the warm-up today. Everybody was pushing that line in terms of physicality and intensity. And Rob, this would have been the kind of practice that Pete Carroll, unfortunately, still out with covid this would have been a practice that he would have been extremely proud of and would have got a kick out of watching. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure Seahawks fans, uh, you know, would have been as well. I mean, just because it, it, it's the physicality that we love about football, of course. And, uh, you know, with the, with the quarterback battle still kind of stealing the spotlight, everybody wants to talk about that. Uh, with Carroll not there, as you mentioned, I think that it made a lot of sense for, for Seattle to kind of shift their focus. You know this is going to be a run-heavy team. Obviously, you invested the early draft pick in Ken Walker. Um, so let, let's see what you got. You have all kinds of questions at positions other than quarterback so focus there and uh and see uh you know what's this song let the bodies hit the floor let, let, let's see it i mean let, let's see that physicality and kind of um you know see who are the tough guys they're going to wind up making this roster and right now i have drowning pool playing in my head after you mentioned that but anyway the metal head in me is never going to be gone but looking at what happened specifically at practice Rashad Penny was out veteran rest day today. Both starting guards, Gabe Jackson and Damian Lewis, did not practice. They were out with veteran rest days. And yet the Seahawks were grounding and pounding it the entire afternoon. Chad Morton was joking on the sideline. He was shouting over at Cliff Averill, who was over with reporters. And Averill was talking about the defense. And Morton was saying, we've ran for 400 yards. Why aren't you talking about us? And I don't know that that was necessarily an exaggeration. That's the way they were running the football today. Ken Walker III had a couple of huge runs. One of them he cut back behind a block by Phil Haynes, who was replacing Damian Lewis at left guard. And it's too bad there's not a spot for him right now on that offensive line because he has just been dominating guys the last two days. And he did really well the end of last season. So he's off to a strong start in this training camp. 
looks really good at both guard spots, gives them positional flexibility. But the MVP today was DJ Dallas. What an afternoon that he had. That was the best I've seen DJ Dallas look in a Seahawks uniform on the practice field or in a game. Ripped off a couple of really nice runs. Had one between the tackles that he juked the linebacker out of his cleats. Had another one where he rocketed around the outside off tackle and outran the safety to the sideline and picked up big yardage burst that we haven't necessarily seen from him, but the play of the day from him catching a touchdown down the seam from drew lock during their no huddle team session towards the end of practice. It was a perfectly thrown football drew lock pump faked, got the defense on their heels and then lofted a perfect strike. Dallas looking like the former receiver that he once was brings in the catch for a touchdown, one of the best plays, if not the best play from the entire afternoon. So he looked fantastic. Travis Homer had some nice runs. They got some good plays as well from their other two running backs. Josh Johnson got a little bit of action. And this will excite you, Rob, because I know that you were a big fan of Darwin Thompson coming out of Utah State. And he had a couple really nice runs and scored a touchdown today in the short yarded situation. So all the running backs that were active were getting involved. Dishing the punishment, DJ Dallas almost decapitated a defender with a stiff arm as well. So you saw the physicality from the running backs. You saw the physicality from the offensive line. Dariq Young was blowing up a guy, and coaches were raving about that after practice, a block that helped spring Walker. Just everybody on offense was playing a physical brand of football. Well, that's, that's exciting to hear. You know, that, that's what you're looking for. As you mentioned, you had all of these different players that, that Seattle can't gave that those veteran days off. So you want to see the young players kind of step into that void and really be able to kind of flex their own muscles and show what they can do. So you just routed off a whole bunch of, of offensive linemen, running backs, Tariq Young, the rookie wide receiver. And that was one of the things that we wondered about him is, you know, while he's physically imposing guys, 6'3", 225 pounds, how is he going to be able to handle the adjustment to the level of competition. It sounds like he's doing pretty darn well, thank you, um, in that regard. I mean, I know that he's been uh, creating some buzz with his speed and catching ability, um, and so it's good to hear him continue that physicality. We, of course, have his uh, former positional coach uh, on, and he kind of told us that that was something to expect, Corbin. So uh, excited about that, and then, yeah, I, I just, like you, I, I love running the football. And so the, the running back talent that Seattle has, it's exciting to hear about that from DJ Dallas, the physicality, the speed, the aggression. Um, and, and then, uh, you know, just everybody getting a little bit uh, of taste of some success here. So that would have been an exciting practice uh, to, to evaluate. And I'm kind of curious to see if Seattle is going to be able to maintain that physicality. As you mentioned, they have the day off tomorrow. Obviously, the preseason game against the Pittsburgh Steelers coming up here in just a what, week and a half. Um, um, and so uh, eager to see if Seattle is able to, again, to keep that physicality because you know Pittsburgh's going to be physical. That's one of the things that's just in that Pittsburgh DNA, it seems. Yeah, the happiest man in the entire field was offensive line coach Andy Dickerson. We got to Andy. talk to him after practice, and it's easy to see why with the way that his line was driving defenders off the ball, how his running backs were running, running with physicality. There was a run that Travis Homer bowled over a guy. They were catching passes out of the backfield. The receivers were blocking. But the defense had their hits, too. Josh Jones, we talked about him a lot on yesterday's show, intercepted Geno Smith for a second time. Didn't have any picks today, but had a couple of big hits. Had one where he knocked Tyler Mabry on his fanny 
towards the sideline, had another play that he blew up Travis Homer in the backfield for a two-yard loss. You saw his strong safety versatility there. And then for his free safety position, Noah Fant caught the ball, but in a regular game situation, he might not have because he got absolutely rocked by Jones as much as you can in these semi-padded practices. And so Jones taking advantage of Ryan Neal being out again today, flying all over the place, making a bunch of plays. So you saw the defensive guys as well coming after ball carriers and playing with physicality. Again, when you know you have a day off coming up the next day, you, you're more willing to put everything on the line in a training camp practice. And you saw that on the field, both sides of the ball. That's the kind of football that Pete Carroll is certainly looking for from this football team. And he'll be excited if he comes back and they're going to be hitting each other like this, because this is what you expect from an NFL training camp padded practice, even in today's era where they're not full pads and there's some limitations. Uh, It certainly didn't look like it on the practice field today. When we return up next, we're going to be joined by a former coaching staff member of the Seahawks two Super Bowl teams coached under Pete Carroll for 18 years at USC, as well as in Seattle. And he's going to share some thoughts on his new book, The State of the Seahawks, and some favorite memories from his time with the franchise. Life can be full of challenges. Recently, I made a decision to resign from a job. And fortunately, I had quality people around me to talk things through when I needed it most and help me make the right decision for myself and my family. But that's not always the case. And life can be full of twists and turns. So it's important to show yourself through it all. BetterHelp Online Therapy will assess your needs and can match you with your own licensed professional therapist in less than 48 hours. Therapy worked wonders for me, but don't just take my word for it. Having someone in your corner to guide you when you're struggling to navigate obstacles can be invaluable. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online, available to people worldwide. With therapy, it can take a few tries to find the right fit for you. BetterHelp makes it easy and free to change therapists if needed. BetterHelp has a special offer for our listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash locked on. That's 10% off your first month of online therapy at BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash locked on. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Wednesday edition. I'm your host, Corbett Smith. Joining me as always, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We've got a special guest joining us, key member of the Seahawks coaching staff during their Super Bowl run back in 2013. Both their Super Bowl runs was with the team from 2010 to 2018. And now Chris Carlisle, beyond being a coach, is also a published author. He's got the book that just came out, Move or Die, Creating a Game Plan from Stuck to Significance. So I've got to just start right now, Chris. First off, we appreciate you joining the show uh, and having a chance to talk to you about your book, but what inspired you to decide to go into writing a book? That's a big leap as a writer myself to decide to do that. No, I've written my whole life. It's it's just finally I put it onto pages, and and so I've got uh, reams and reams of of notebooks, and I've taken copious notes for for forty years, and so it's just going back and looking at some of the stories and pulling those stories out and putting them into a uh, uh, a meshing with a message and they all work together. So, I mean, I have stories that go back to uh, being uh, born handicapped to college to uh, working with the Seahawks. So, you know, everything in between, there's, there's no limit to how much I talk about. 
Without giving away too much, what can you tell us about this book and the motivation behind writing it? Obviously, you just mentioned something you've been doing all your life. You've been uh, an active writer, but what motivated you to dive into writing this book and publishing it? Here's a problem I see in society today. We have so many people that have so much ability and then they get into a position and they get stuck. And there's a reason why they don't move. And there's several things that the reason could be. And I kept watching this and watching this and watching this of people that were very, very talented. And then they got stuck or they got to the top of their profession or whatever they wanted to do. And then they looked around kind of like Edmund Hillary did on Mount Everest and said, uh, so now what? You know, and so that's why I wrote the book. So from stuck to significance. And that's what I believe stuck is is um, when you're no longer progressing along your path, when you're living your life for somebody else. You're, 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 you're trying to create their dreams. And then I want to move them to success. And success is what you do to accomplish your goals. Then significance is when you go ahead and help somebody else accomplish their goals. So from stuck to successful to significant. That's an awesome message in and of itself right there, Coach. And I just kind of want to reiterate what Corbin said already and just uh, welcoming you and thanking you here for, for joining us. Um, you know, of course, uh, a, a lot of our, our Seahawk listeners, you know, they know uh, you. They, they know that you've worked with, with Pete Carroll for a long, long time, not only in Seattle, but dating back to, you know, USC days and things like that. And so some of the, the, the positivity. Um, that, that you were mentioning here. Um, also, a lot of Seahawks fans kind of uh, associate with, with Pete Carroll and his always compete kind of mantra. Um, you know, I, I'm just curious, what have you taken away uh, from your time with Pete Carroll? What do, what do you think? I hate to put you in a spot like this, but no. what do you think that Pete Carroll has taken from you as well, sir? No, no, no. Heck, Pete wrote the forward to the book. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, so, you know, everybody thinks that, you know, oh, you know, you were fired. It's like, no, my contract ran out. And they wanted to go in another direction, which is fine. We went to two Super Bowls, and they wanted to do something else. So, you know, that, <laughs> I don't get any laugh out of you guys. That usually, that usually <laughs> knocks them down. So, <laughs> anyway, but, uh, but you know, here's the thing. Everybody asked me, you know, what, what, Pete, what is Pete Carroll like? I said, when you see him on the sidelines, that's exactly who he is Monday through Sunday. Every day of the year, that is not an act he puts on. You look at the, the, the realm of coaches, the, the line of coaches, and on one end you have Bill Belichick and that stern and one-word answers. Then on the other end you have the, the Pete Carrolls and the Sean McVeighs who just live every day for that excitement of being on the field. And, and it's not an act that they do. It's not Belichick doing an act. It's not Saban doing an act. Those guys are too successful to be actors. And so you have McVeigh and you have Pete Carroll on the other end. And the thing that they all have in common is they're very, very successful because of one reason. They are original. They do themselves. They're not trying to be anybody else. And so when you do that in life, when you try to act like somebody else, you don't know how to act that way when you get into that tight spot or when you're successful. But when you are yourself all the way through Things, great things can happen. The, the Belichick, the Carroll, the McVeighs, and the Savings can all happen. And not just those, to the, to the listeners also. All that great stuff can happen when you get to be you. And so, you know, we're talking about Pete Carroll. That's what he brought with me. You know, 18 years we were together. 
you know, and so you, you, you can't help but bring stuff back. When I watch uh, Russell Wilson today uh, on, on the news and, and he's talking, it sounds like Pete's coming out of his mouth still in Denver <laughs> because he became so imbued with, with the message that Pete had, that, that always compete and the confidence that he has. But Russell came in with that as a rookie. And I write about it in my book about Russell coming in and sitting in front of me that first year and saying, Coach C, I'm going to be the starting quarterback this year. I said, that's great. He goes, what do you think about that? I said, I don't have a dog in the hunt. I want the best person to be the quarterback here. And he said, that's all I want. That's all I want is a chance. So then he becomes a starting quarterback during the, the preseason. And then the next year, we're sitting there talking about the upcoming season. He said, Coach C, I'm going to take us to the Super Bowl. And, and you know, when you're sitting around him and everybody's had time to be with him, you, you understand that he's telling the truth. He's telling his truth. And that is so important. And that's what Pete does. And that's what those other coaches all do. They tell their truth. Yeah. And I can tell you as a reporter, you know, obviously there's always the coach speak, but yeah, Pete Carroll every single day is the same guy. You can see it from that perspective as Amen. well. And Rob was just mentioned the Seahawks fans, they know your name. Obviously one of the coaches that was on that Super Bowl staff and you were with the Seahawks for quite some time. You're with Pete Carroll for 18 years. So familiar name, but Many fans may not know the adversity, and you kind of already touched a little bit on some of the things that you've had to battle in your life. But when you look back at your personal journey, how do you think that what you've overcome from an adversity standpoint can help create a blueprint for others to follow? And how much does that have to do with the message, the main message you're trying to send behind this book as well? Well, I was born with a foot handicap in which the doctor said he's not going to be able to run like the other kids. And thank God I didn't because I became a scholarship athlete in football. All right. I ran better than them. And then chasing my brothers around, had my two front teeth knocked out and I developed a speech impediment. And the speech therapist told my mom, he'll never be a public speaker. And that's what I do today. And then, uh, I, shoot, I had this uh, zipper put on my head and uh, I had cancer. Um, Randy Posh wrote a book called The Last Lecture. And he was at Carnegie Mellon, uh, and he was uh, diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And so this really was his last lecture. And he says that the walls that are in front of us aren't there to stop us. They're to see how really badly we want to get around them. And so everybody has those walls that are in front of them. And too many people, and this goes back into my book, people get stuck because, oh, I can't do it because I'm not this. And they make up their own mistakes or they make the biggest mistake and somebody behind them is telling them, oh, you can't do that. You can't be this person. And we talked about, we can talk about Doug Baldwin. You know, Doug Baldwin never listened when anybody said, you can't do this. All right, that's the whole thing that happens when you believe in yourself so much. You don't let those walls stop you. You find a way around them, over them, under them. You find the key to open the door to go through them. But that's all part of life. We all have our struggles. Don't let them stop you. And with me, they didn't stop me. I started as a high school football coach, ended up winning the Super Bowl. How many people told me I couldn't do that? Well, I did it because I wanted to, and I worked hard enough to do it. I didn't look for excuses. I didn't look for reasons why I couldn't. I found reasons why I could. Yeah, Coach, I mean, just the conversation we're having so far, I mean, this is one that I, I, I would love to have for hours. I mean, because this is, it's just like, you know, uh, it's blood through my veins kind of stuff. And so thank you for that. You, you mentioned one of the players 
that I've always thought of as being one of the toughest guys, pound for pound, that I've ever seen, Doug Baldwin. And, and that's one of the things I'm kind of fascinated by. I mean, of course, over your entire career, as you talked about high school, college, uh, you know, and obviously the NFL as well, I'm sure you have seen some incredible athletic feats. You've seen some really, truly tough guys, not just the ones that people talk about, but, uh, you know, behind the scenes, maybe some of the guys who aren't necessarily superstars, weren't really productive, but at the same time, just were, again, either an unbelievable athletes from your own training that you had seen or were just so incredibly tough. They were able to overcome uh, just all kinds of different physical, mental, emotional challenges, whatever the case might be. When I say the words tough to you, who are some mm -hmm. of the players that immediately jump out to you? Well, J.R. Sweezy. All right. I mean, there's, there's an Iron Man right there. I don't know if he played a game where he was ever healthy. You know, he always had something that was wrong, but it didn't matter. He just shook it off and went to work. All right. I had a great opportunity to work with Troy Palomalo at USC. Now, you never knew when he was good or bad. He never said, I don't think he's ever said 10 words to me. You know, we, we, we've been around each other a lot, but he doesn't speak much. What he does is allow his actions to speak for him. And he's one of those tough guys. All right. Um, Russell Wilson is one of those tough guys. Um Bobby Wagner, of course, you'd have to throw him in there. I know this is throwing salt in the wounds, but you know that was some those were some special people right there. Uh, Cam Chancellor is one of the people that I find as leaders, and as uh, we talked about being successful, yes, he's successful. But Cam and Doug and these guys I've talked about have all taken it to that next level, to where they've become significant because they didn't stop at being just a great football player. They took it to the next level to where they're now pulling people with them. And that's the cool thing about it. And that's the character that helped the Seahawks win all those games when, when the LOB and all those people were together. It wasn't just a, a group of athletes because these are third and fourth and fifth round athletes. Yeah. They're not a stack of first rounders. All right. We had a quarterback who was 5'10 and three quarters of an inch. You can't win with that. Yeah. All right. But because of their character, because of their character, when you put them all together and then you let Coach Carroll work in the laboratory with that, oh, my gosh, you know, great things could happen. You know, it, it's so special about what can happen when you get the right people with the right attitude. So it's not about draft choices and, and free agents. It's that chemistry. And I know that's what's killing Coach Carroll right now, not being in the building. He can do he can do the uh, the zoom and stuff like that, but him not being there is is torture to him because he can't control the culture of the team, and he believes he's got to be tied in every day to it, and it's true. He is the engine that drives that team. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news for every league, whether it's Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, and more. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information. From live in-game betting, sports, and podcasts, they have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. Bet online, where the game starts. That's a perfect segue into my next question here because I'm sure on the outside looking in, I'm sure you're still paying close attention to what's going on in Seattle. And obviously you mentioned watching Russell Wilson's press conference. You're paying attention to players that you helped coach during your time in Seattle. But with Wilson being gone, Bobby Wagner being gone, all the changes that have happened, expectations for this team right now, at least from a national perspective, are pretty darn low. 
So I guess from your perspective, do you think that it's reasonable to think that this team this year is going to is going to exceed those expectations? And if so, how much of it has to just do with the guy that's on the sidelines that you had the chance to work with all these years and just his presence, his ability to build that culture? No, it's it's all about him. I was going to ask, is Pete Carroll going to be on the sideline? Every every day that Pete Carroll is on the sideline, you have a chance. All right. And, and so that's the great thing about it is he lifts everybody around him. The old, when the, the as the, the, the tide comes in, it lifts all boats. Well, he's the tide. He's going to be the one who changes everything. It's nobody else in the building. It's Pete Carroll. And so it's his job to go ahead and pull them together. You know, yeah, he doesn't have all the, all the weapons, but remember in 2012, wasn't that draft class like a C or a D? Yeah, there were a couple yeah. places we, we gave we, we didn't have we had a bunch of crap, you know. Oh no! Well, all of a sudden, you know, you look—you had that third and fourth rounder, the fifth rounder, and all of a sudden they became starters. And you brought this free agent in, and then you brought this cast off from Buffalo Bills in, you know. And this, you know, how's he ever going to play? You know, <laughs> you know. I mean, Marshawn, you know, without a doubt, you want to talk about a tough guy. Yeah. All right, that guy never missed a workout with me. I don't care how badly he was beaten up. He showed up every day, all right? And one of the great young men, one of the great men of football, because he, again, we talked about it before, he is an original. He does him better than anybody else. Now, a lot of people can act like him, but then they fall off because they don't know how to carry it. But again, Marshawn, when we're talking about tough guys, we're talking about character. We're talking about the reason why people are successful. And Pete Carroll's great skill of bringing people in that you don't know how they're going to fit. And he understands the big picture. It's an awesome uh, just kind of collection, again, of all the different you know superstars in Seattle's past that you talked about that we, we've heard some things about their toughness. And so to get your perspective is great. I only have one more question for you, Coach. I mean, I've, I've been scouting, evaluating players for a long time, not as long as you, sir, but uh, for a long time. And I, I just noticed over the years the way that the combine has changed, uh, especially in some of the drills they run. I, just from my perspective, I would like like to see some of the, the some drills that you know maybe test the explosive strength the offensive and defensive linemen rather than the bench press maybe kind of you know I remember the old Rocky movies where they would just punch the bag and you'd see the power go up the up the board that kind of stuff are there and maybe that's kind of just silly stuff there but I'm curious if there are any tests or drills that you think either maybe shouldn't be included in the combine or a little bit overrated or some other ones that you think might be included that you personally would include if you were going to be doing something of that nature? Uh, I think they're all useless. <laughs> <laughs> the game of football is is 98% change of direction, 2% linear, and they're yeah. doing all these linear tests. You know, we, we you're not you're not testing what a football player can do. You're seeing what he can run with nobody in front of him. That never happens. Yeah. When does anybody run forty yards down the field with without changing direction or changing speed? And about strength tests, um, when we look at trainable attributes: speed, agility, power, endurance, and strength. Of those five, four of those are all about movement: speed, agility, power, and endurance. All right. So when you start training or looking at athletes, they better click off on those 80 percent. Anybody can get strong enough. Strong is not a hard thing to do. So I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about that. How do they move? And that's what we did for 18 years and had a lot of success doing it. We not only worked on how the athlete moved, but we worked on how the body moved within the athlete. 
ankle mobility, shoulder mobility, thoracic mobility, a lot of things that went unnoticed by anybody that we were doing because we were doing them and, and we didn't have 70,000 people watching us. <laughs> and so the old, you know, well, you know, Coach Carlisle didn't know how to transition with the times. Yeah, I was way ahead of the times. But what happened was all of a sudden about 2014, there was this change in idea that all of a sudden we had to give, we had to change the way we train players. And we started doing less. And when we started doing less, especially in preparation, John Harbaugh called it callousing the player, <laughs> in which the player has to go through enough work that they're tough enough, strong enough, their, their joints have been through enough that they can handle the rigors of the game of football. But now it's like, oh, we, we can't run fast. We got to walk through here. You got to barely go through here. We can't wear cleats on this day. We can't have contact on this day. And so what's happened? Instead of making the players safer, we've got more players injured. All right. And so how, how is sports science helping the player? We can measure everything. But what are we doing with those, those numbers? You know, we're making some very good numbers, but it's, it's not making a difference to how we're preparing the athlete other than, well, we got to be softer. And so now athletes come in and, and they're not prepared because I can get prepared in camp because it's just not the same. Well, I got a personal trainer. Who pays a personal trainer? Well, the athlete. You know, you make me work too hard and I throw up, I'll find another one. All right. The old iron head coach who used to train and we we go in not, not to throw up, but we push that envelope on you getting in shape. And all of a sudden, you know, hey, people are going to get hurt. That, that happens. It's a game of football. You know, there's a hundred percent likely chance of being hurt. All right. Some way or another. But once the athlete is resilient enough, you're going to have strains and pains, but they're going to heal faster because the body is able to handle it. And so that's the longevity of these injuries that happens. And that's, that's, you know, I got off on, you know, the combine, I think it's a waste of time. Okay. You, you pretty much, you know, going in who you're going to draft because of how they played football. Very few teams anymore look at, oh, he's the fastest guy in camp. Uh, we're going to go ahead and draft him because he's fast. Well, he can't catch football, but he's fast. So, you know, that, so I'm, I'm not a big combine guy. I'm, you know, who can play football can play football and then train them how to move and prepare them for the rigors of the game and, and stop with all the, you know, the, the, the time off. It was amazing. We, we went to two Super Bowls and we barely had, except for Marshawn who took, uh, was it Wednesday off uh, because of the pounding. And all of a sudden now I look at the injury sheet and this guy's resting, this guy's resting, this guy's, it's like, you know, you got half the team standing there on the sidelines watching practice. And, and what happened in that from four, 2014 to 2015, the athlete didn't change. He was the same athlete before. And so, yeah, I know it's old Ironhead ideas, but, you know, it's a better brand of football. It was. It's the, it's the perpetual debate. <laughs> it's just, you yeah. know, rest versus working the guy, making sure they're in shape. And, you know, it seems like we're still trying to balance all of that. We're using a GPS to figure it out. <laughs> Where do those numbers come from? Who, who developed those numbers? Well, those numbers came out of soccer, rugby, and uh, Australian rules football, which have nothing in common with the game of football. You know, you, you, th you think about the wide receivers that we had and not. And so you're going to say, OK, this pot of wide receivers shouldn't run this many routes. Well, you have uh, Lockett, who is a speed guy and he can't run as much as Doug. But Doug can run all day. All right. So you can't put them on the same meter. 
Now, the second year, if Doug was hurt, now he may not be able to run as much as he did last year. So which year we're we going to use, last year's numbers or this year's numbers? Because data is always, is always late to the day. It's what they did yesterday. So if we're measuring what they did yesterday or last year, it's not the same because we don't know where they're at today. You know, so, you know, I think that's why we have coaches on the sideline to say, hey, he's tired today or he's feeling good because we communicate. And that was my two rules. Be early. That's about respect and communicate. And, and so I touched every athlete as they came in and I asked them, we looked eye to eye and how are you doing today? And because of trust, it came to a point that the athletes would say, hey, coach, see, I'm, you know, my shoulder, my hip, my, my you know, I'm sore from the game. And we'd go ahead and make adjustments within the workout. And that's the way you go ahead and keep your athletes healthy. And then if they're having problems, they get to practice, they go to their, their position coach or in meetings and say, I'm still haven't recovered from the game. All right. Can I trust him? Do I have that, that trust built up and I know who he is? He knows, knows who I am. Then I can go ahead and put him in the position that's best for him which is best for the team. Chris, it's been an absolute pleasure having a chance to chat with you. And I know for me personally, um, you know, I've climbed quite a ladder here myself professionally and getting uh, the chance to hear you talk about your book and the message behind it. I'm definitely going to be making it a priority to go get my hands on that book as soon as possible Great. and uh, get a chance to read a bit about your thoughts and some things that maybe I can look at to try to make sure that I don't get stuck. And I know Rob has mentioned that as well. Where can our listeners get their hands on this book? Right now, Amazon is where you can get it, or you can go on my website, thecoachcarlisle.com. And uh, it, there's, there's ways to get that. There's ways to communicate with me on that website, but that's thecoachcarlisle.com. Uh, and that, Again, that book all is my sites, has all my, uh, it goes to my Instagram. I, I got all this stuff because my publisher said I needed to get on Instagram, Facebook, and all the other stuff. So <laughs> we, we know how that goes. I, I know from my profession, it's like, you know, I'd like to just, you know, write and then just move on. But that no, is the way you gotta, to make market it. <laughs> you got to have the 18 different social media apps. But Amen. there you have it, 12s. Again, the book is Move or Die, Creating a Game Plan from Stuck to Significance from Chris Carlisle, former Seahawks strength conditioning coach, Super Bowl champion. Chris, it's been a pleasure and best of luck to you. Looking forward to having a chance to read the book. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's good to talk to you. Best to everybody up there. Say hello to Coach Carroll and, and Matt McNabb and Stu up in the cafeteria, please. All right? <laughs> Will do. Will right. do. Thanks so much, Coach. Take All care. Right, that was a great one. Coming up on our Thursday episode, I'll be joined by my co-host, Nick Lee. The two of us are going to take a look at some other observations from Seattle's sixth training camp practice. Plus, we're going to check out the cornerback competition, who's standing out, and who's going to start in week one. We're going to be diving into everything at that position group, maybe the most competitive position group on Seattle's roster more than a week into training camp. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening in. Go Hawks.